0: i trop You are listening to Contemporaries, the podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Um, As you all know, the format and everything about this podcast has switched up over the past few months after our little hiatus. Um, I am now based in Detroit, Michigan, while Kayo is still based in Chicago in all its glory. Um, We will both be interviewing people within our respective cities you know, getting all the all the good shit or all these beautiful black and brown people and their practices and their like artistic endeavors. Um, so, just a run through of things that's happened. Um, we, Kayo's, Kayo got some bomb ass jobs. Um, I am currently expanding on some cool work. Um, I have been meeting with cool people. I did um, Detroit Arts Week, a part of a program called Young Curators New Idea, where I curated an exhibition by Chicago-based artist Derek Woods Morrow, who's like a big brother to me, although he irritates the living shit out of me at times. Anyways, today I have my homie, my sis, um, my good, good friend, Francesca Lamar. What's up, friend? What up, doe? Um, Francesca is a Detroit-based creative curator, um, um, social, social activist, um, one of the co co-directors of Afro Futures Fest, which happened this um, this past month, um, in which we'll talk about all of that good shit. But yeah, Fran, how you been?
1: I'm good, I'm good. I'm just digesting all of the things that have like, transpired over the last few months. Okay. Um, specifically with the festival, um, it picked up a lot of just media attention that we weren't, it wasn't warranted. Um, right. And so just like digesting all of that and like really sitting with the work that was done because again, it's, it's social activists, it's entertainment justice work. And so sitting with how do we feel after we've done the work and what are the things that we want to pull from that into the future.
0: Right.
1: Um, so I'm just, I'm trying to
0: digest it all. Okay. Yeah. Um, so for the people who are listening, you're probably questioning, like, what things happen. Um, a local artist, um, by the name we would not name, um, found the ticketing format for the festival to be unfair to her, specifically, um, in her ideas. Um, the festival was charging, the. let me rephrase this. The festival was giving people of color a discount while people who are not of color paid the regular price. Um, however, um, white supremacists, racists, and uh, pickaninnies got mad um, <laughs> all over social media. Um, and originally, I thought it was, you know, just gonna be like a local thing that was gonna blow up, but it blew up nationally and even internationally with, um, like, DJs from London, black DJs, Nigerian London DJs, like, really talking shit. Um, it, um... The story made it to TMZ. It made it to the Breakfast Club. It made it to New York Times, Washington Post, Huffington Post, um, so on and so forth. Um, the festival, I'm correct, was meant to raise money for a grassroots youth-led organization called Afro Futures Youth. Correct.
1: Correct. Correct.
0: And this not profit organization is pretty much meant to teach black children um black and brown youth specifically here in Detroit how to just exist in their glory right um so with hashtags pull up for the kids um the festival was last weekend or um well this episode will come out next week so um this this festival was earlier um Early, earlier, a few weeks ago, um, I had the pleasure of be, being on the set list as the MC, as well as a DJ. Uh, it was cute. I made people dance. I played a really, really <laughs> um, horrible, but beautifully done <laughs> remix to um, Never Would Have Been About Donnie McClarkin in some cut. That shit slaps. I might actually make that the intro song. You should make that the intro okay, song. Okay, it'll be intro song. <laughs> um... But, yeah, no, so, Francesca, I'm, um, like, I'm saying, like, you're, you're to unpacking everything that happened with the festival, um, but let's talk about the positives. Let's talk about yeah. all the beauty, the beauty of it. Um, yeah.
1: I think the most, I think one of the most beautiful takeaways from this was being able to have the conversation, mm-hmm. um, because it clearly was needed, because people, learning that, like, as as well as having access to the things that we need to, like, survive, people also needed to have access to understanding, like that joy and pleasure should be a part of that process. Mm -hmm. And so, like, seeing that people didn't really see an existence for themselves where, like, joy and pleasure could also be simultaneous with the urgency to get um, education, the urgency to get food, the urgency to get access to things that we don't typically see in our communities for black and brown folks. Um, And so, like, as someone who really centers, like, joy and pleasure in the work that I do as far as, like, I'm a full-time artist, I've decided to live a life that is... Definitely going to be more hard. Um, sorry, that's not correct English. But it's going to be harder for me to sustain myself. Mm-hmm. Um, understanding that my community does not see that um, firsthand. And it was beautiful in the sense of, oh, now this is a teachable moment that we can actually co-create the future that we want to see, which is yeah. the point of Afro Future Youth and the point of the organization, like the co-creation process of like meeting community where they are. And then then from there seeing what is the future look like for us together. Right. So, that that was, like, the most beautiful takeaway, like, taking that negative and turning it into a positive and seeing, like, oh, okay, no, this means that we have more work to do. Mm-hmm. And, like, it's motivating in my sense because, like, that's where I get my motivation to do the work that I do.
0: Right. So. I am... I can say, as someone who was a part of the festival... It was probably, and it's so funny, because I went to Afrofuture Fest, and then I went to Kindred this past weekend, and I was telling somebody yesterday, I was like, yo, this vibe is so different from After Future Fest, and I really enjoyed After Future Fest for the reason it felt, it felt familiar, mm-hmm. right? if it, 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 it didn't feel like we were there to, like, um put on a certain facade where we were there holistically. Mm -hmm. And like the fact that y'all had like a healing tent where people were doing Reiki and like Mm -hmm. we had tarot card readers and yoga and like a bonfire happened on the side of um, Mama Myrtle and Baba Mm -hmm. Curtis's house. And it was like on this beautiful um, community, farm community garden on the east side of Detroit on Manistique and Jefferson called Freedom Freedom. Mm
1: -hmm. What made
0: y'all choose to do it there?
1: Yeah, so originally so Numi founded the organization and I came on as co director this past year and mm-hmm. so for the past three years Numi has used that space as a space to like celebrate her birthday. Mm-hmm. Um and the year prior it was also used as a fundraiser for Afro Future Youth. Right. It just wasn't called Afro Future Fest yet. And so, um, this year when I came on as like a co-director with my artistic practice being like my basis for like, you know, where I come from, like I'm an artist. And so I was like, what is a creative way that we can use the same space to cultivate something bigger and also bring in other people from the community. And so I was like, we should throw a festival, um, and we should highlight, you know, Detroit talent on this land and really like try to activate the land in a sense of like, okay, this land is here and it's thriving, um, but we need the community to know about it and what's the best way to do that? Mm-hmm. And how do we get people from Detroit that are interested in certain parts of the community to also be interested in the work that's being done on the land. And so I thought it was the perfect spot for that, especially with like the name of the land, Them Freedom. Um oh, really it's
0: feed 'em freedom. Feed em freedom. <laughs> oh, I I really it was freedom freedom.
1: No, it's feed em freedom. And so like ah. I I just like, you know, just like artistically I enjoyed that as well okay, just yeah, like where
0: its just cute <laughs> like
1: yeah like curating like the entire experience from like the name of the place and, yeah. like the people that you know so sow their roots into the land and also like bringing the artist community there
0: um, it's also something I really enjoyed is I feel like often whenever there are events or music festival type of events in Detroit they so happen to always be near Midtown exactly,
1: exactly. Or
0: they're on the west side exactly and there's Granted, like people who are from Detroit, we we have this un un like unspoken like lighthearted rivalry, East Side versus West Side. Like most major major POC major black cities do, mm-hmm. right? Like when I was in Chicago, people on the South Side talk shit about people on the West Side, and they all talk mm-hmm. shit about people on the North Side, people on the North Side talk shit about everyone else. Um, but it was on like the hood ghetto ass east side, which is like it was around the corner from the house I grew up in, mm. so um, it felt like I think there may also be a part mm. of About why I felt familiar. Yeah. And, familiar, um, I also just enjoyed the fact that like, um, we had there so the festival went so well that um, we kind of ran over time, right? <laughs> um, like, you know, shit was popping. Shit was popping off so well we ran over time Like some artists just didn't want to get off the fucking stage. I, mean, I was saying to the MC. I was like, get off the stage. He was like, no, I have four more songs. Um, but um, there was an artist who was set to um, perform. Her name's Adia, I think. Mm-hmm. And as the MC, I also made my my. My duty to like express like you know care to everyone who unfortunately was not able to f- do perform their set like you know just say, hey you know I'm so sorry um, mm-hmm. you know like I'm I didn't I didn't organize this however like if you ever need any help or any input or any like headshots you know I tried to slide in my own, my own side again. <laughs> I'm like yo just let me know let me know and I was talking to a D and I was like I'm so sorry and she's what she said to me was it's okay. Like, I was able to bring my son here and my son Mm. was able to enjoy it. My son was able to play in the street and like, play with kids he didn't know and like, see black people be free Mm. and be artists and be creative and just smile and smoke their weed and dance and like, like my baby was able to see people who don't identify as male or female exist, and she's like, "I'm happy I was able to expose my child to like what it means for us to be free." And mm-hmm. I was like, "Shit!" I was like, "I was like, if anything, we should have had her just like, <laughs> just like spit this to the mic before like the wow, festival was over." That just
1: makes me feel so good because that was the point. Yeah, that was the point of it. It was the point of like. Me and Numi, like, we are so similar and it's so interesting because we just met. Right. But we've both been on the scene for so long. We didn't know each other existed really.
0: Um, Oh, really?
1: Yeah. No, I didn't know who Numi was. She didn't know who I was. And so it's interesting that I bring this up to say, like, we are so rooted in our, like, interests. And so, like, our main goal of this. As well as raising funds, was to make sure that all the intersections and all the aspects of blackness could show up and be free.
0: But also the fact that it was such an intergenerational.
1: And that that was also a part of the conversation. Like we wanted it to be intergenerational. We wanted to have like a balance of acts that were like both, you know,
0: groovy and smooth. Groovy and smooth, but also like ratchet shit, shit, some some rock rock and roll,
1: (laughs) like all all over the place. And so like just really being able to see ourselves exist in so many different facets, so that we can foresee a future where we can exist in so many more facets. Because, yeah. um, like, the scope is so wide for us as black and brown folks, and we just wanted to be able to show up that way and do it specifically oh, on the east side of Detroit.
0: It was so beautiful. Where Numi
1: and I are from, yeah.
0: so. Yeah. East side? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Okay. So now we've spoken about the beautiful, amazing, um, honestly life-changing experience that was after Futures Fest. Let's talk about you. Yeah. Um... So, I met you um, as a painter. Then, um, throughout our friendship, um, you uh, started to explore photography and video. And then after Futures Fest, I heard you spin a poem, but I was <laughs> like, bitch, what? What is going on, ma'am? Who, who is this person? I literally was like, what the fuck is this? Um, it was so good. It was mama's fuck. like, I was, it was not expected. So where did she where, where did your practice start? Like So
1: you know? I honestly, so if I wanna like dial it all the way back, writing was the first thing I ever did. People just don't know about it because I stepped away from it for so long. I actually used to travel and perform spoken word, um, competition wise. Oh, that's so cute. Yeah, and then I just like stepped away. It was like it was at the time where I went natural, so I've been natural for twelve years. Okay. When I went natural, I started doing spoken word immediately.
0: <laughs> you went straight through. The hole. I, was, I literally went straight through the whole. You're a trope now. No, I am. Like
1: it's okay. It's fine. I live. Um, but yeah. So like, I've been writing for a really long time. People just don't know it. Mm-hmm. Um, I am writing currently three books right now. Um, and so they'll they'll be out. Hope, I want one to be out in twenty twenty. Okay. And that's that's the Queen Complex book, but um. Yeah, I've been writing for a while. So people just are now getting to know that, though. Okay. Yeah,
0: yeah I swear. I, I literally, like, <laughs> at Epic Futures Fest, was sitting next to somebody as they were, like, rolling a joint that they had also put lavender in. I was ready to hit that shit. <laughs> and, oh. <no>. yes. <laughs> I, I, I like, lavender, heard you spinning. Uh, and I was like, wait, is that Fran? <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. And I was, like, actually in awe because, like, I don't know. And then it's. Uh, it's and then, like, I looked over and I saw Jessica Caremora's mm-hmm. face. Just, like, this face of, of her being intrigued by what you mm-hmm. were saying. And then, like, her standing next to Piper Carter. Mm-hmm. Um, for people who don't know, um, Jessica Caremore is an amazing poet, rapper, musician. Um, um, also, the director and founder of, like, Black Women Rock mm-hmm. or, or something like that, like, White like, Detroit, specifically, Black Woman Rock Detroit, which is specifically about, like, black women in rock and roll music. Piper Carter was the founder, was the, one of the co-founders of 5E Gallery, who's also an, uh, um, an acclaimed um, fashion photographer, like, photographed for Vogue and Vibe and Essence and Ebony's in the 90s, and now she is a heavy, heavy, like, Detroit, um, act, like, advocate for the arts. They're like they're like the mamas. Of, mm-hmm. They're like the East Side mamas. They're the mamas of <laughs> of, of, of the artists. Very true, very true. Um, and I saw both of them like they stopped talking and just looked, hmm. and I was like, "I'm really, I'm gassing you right now." <laughs> you smiled so hard, but it yeah, feels good. no, it feels good. yeah, no. They were um, <laughs> they were vibing with it, and it was something really, really beautiful to see. Um. Okay, so you started writing. And what, wh- why did you step away from it?
1: Um, I think my interest just changed. Like, that was around puberty. So, like, oh. I started to get into fashion design. Well. And I never really stopped writing. I just did it, like, on the side and didn't perform it anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I started getting into fashion design. I did fashion for, like, five to six years. Really heavy. And then from fashion... I was always, like, heavy into illustration with my fashion. So, like, I started to do more so, like, uh, fine art illustration and stepped away from, like, fashion design illustration. Um, But, yeah, I've always wrote. Like, even in my my illustrations, my paintings, like, I always had words inside the art. So, like, I never stopped doing it. It just wasn't, like, the main focus. Um, But, yeah, I thought it was important to bring it back, though, only because I'm being so, like, uh, consciously political and consciously... um, I do artivist work, and so I was like, it's important to bring my words back because I don't want my message to be unclear anymore. Right. Like, I don't think it ever was unclear. Like, people really understood my work um, when I was getting feedback on it and critique from it. Mm-hmm. But I was like, now is the time to be v- absolutely
0: clear about my messaging. Yeah. And so that's why I brought the words back. Okay. Yeah. So, we get to paintings. I remember the first time I saw your painting on Instagram, I oh, said, so this was really interesting. Like, your technique was really, really interesting. I think I randomly tweeted you. I was, because I was listening to Kendrick Lamar, um, to Butterfly. And I saw your technique and I was like, you should like paint one of a dick that says this dick ain't free. <laughs> <laughs> and you and did I did it. that shit. <laughs> and I was just like, yo, I, I honestly, when I texted you that I was blown out of my mind. <laughs> um, I was. Um, because I was in grad school and, you know, life.
1: Right.
0: Um, but then, like, <laughs> I like looking at your paintings. I there's this the way your technique of painting reminds me very much of Justin Jones.
1: Mm-hmm. So yeah, we're we, very oh, similar. And we're th- twins.
0: We talked about this. Really? So I literally you see, like, I got his painting on the wall now. Yeah. Um, he was the last. He was the first Detroit person I interviewed. Mm. Um. So and like both of y'all have this fluidity. Mm-hmm. Within your paintings, right? Within both of y'all, sexualities mm-hmm. are also very fluid, um, which I think is very interesting. Like, could you talk about um, like do do you see your sexuality or gender performance being a part of your specific painting practice?
1: No, definitely. And this is something me and Justin talked about. Like, we our our, our articulation travels like outside of our bodies and into the work that we do and mm-hmm. into the connections we make with people. And mm-hmm. so, um. The fluidity is like the like the note that we play a lot, gotcha. and so yeah, definitely it it sinks in with like almost everything I do.
0: Cool.
1: Now I'm a fluid I, ass person. Fluid uh, as fuck. <laughs> Why did you? Like, fluid as re- fuck. I
0: just, look, <laughs> I'm just gonna like rename this episode fluid as fuck. Cause Please. Because like, I, I think I think wait, I think I may have named that. Episode, oh I So I it that. That's not. fine. I forget. That's cool. Um. But yeah, no. So. You know, keep telling me about your practice. Like, where did it start? Where is it going?
1: Yeah, I think I found myself around 2016 as far as, like, my actual voice mm-hmm. um, in my art. And I created the underground name for myself, Queen Complex. And that, that really helped me to investigate, like, who is Francesca the artist? And mm-hmm. what does she have to say? And why why am I creating the work that I create? And ultimately, I came up, like came to mind that I was doing this to armor myself in a sense of, like, navigating all of the Colonialization, all of the like white supremacist things that we face. Like I was armoring myself with this title, regardless of how I felt the at the title time being queen complex. of queen complex. Yeah, Armoring myself with that title at like to face the adversary. And so, um, a lot of my work focuses on those things, like the things that we, the ways that we have to navigate, specifically as a black film, queer woman. How I navigate now, and I feel like every year I find a little bit more about myself, where I settle a little bit more into myself, and so like I'm better. Able to articulate those navigations like before when it was Queen Complex, it was very like, from a heteronormative elitist standpoint, and now I look at, I look at it more as conquering queendom, queendom over autonomy, and Wait, so like it's so changed. So why
0: the, the elitist part? Where, where so like where was that? You
1: know, for like when you become woke at the first point, it's like, oh, yeah, I'm a king, I'm a queen, I'm this. Woke. You know, I come from Africa, and we we regarded as gods, and this and that, and the third. Right. And so, like, yes, that's a great place to start, but, like, further investigate that feeling that you have as a black or brown folk and think about, like, how can we use that to armor ourselves in the sense of, like, okay, so, like, what are the things that I'm not accessing, accessing as a king or queen should? And so, like, autonomy was something that I didn't, wasn't able to access. And so, like, I look at, at my queendom as an opportunity for me to navigate my autonomy through my artwork, art practice. Mm-hmm. And so, like, how do I navigate my queerness and how does that show up and what does that look like? And how can I use my own art practice to have ownership over the voice of the narratives that I'm talking about? Gotcha. Um, and so, like, stepped away from that elitist standpoint and moved more to um, a, a black-centered, black and brown-centered focus kind of conversation. Gotcha.
0: So... Yeah. You said you said this happened. The shift was in twenty. 20- I
1: say twenty eighteen. So I started Queen Complex twenty sixteen. That's when the name popped up. Mm-hmm. And then by twenty eighteen, I was better. Like I, I through my artwork, I navigated like who who was Queen Complex, and I'm I'm in a, a place of like oh, autonomy was something that I didn't have access to, and now I'm navigating it, and I have a little more autonomy, but still trying to figure out what that looks like, at all of our intersections. Gotcha. 2016. Every two years, it's a
0: two-year thing for me. So, within this two years, you're solely focusing on photography. No. Well, lens-based well, media. Lens-based, yeah, lens-based media. Because I, I have to remember you also have done um, some video stuff.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Um, it's like so funny. Yesterday, so, yesterday we were at the Kindred Fest and someone brought up the um, complex melanin is that the name of the, the series, mm-hmm. which is this the gorgeous um, series, a portrait series you took with a lot of all uh, the pretty much all of the cool kids here in Detroit, <laughs> um, all the cool black people here in Detroit with do rags, but like you, you you photograph them with these very beautiful lights, which each individual person has, like, almost a different type of hue. Reminds me a bit of Chris, Chris Gray's mm-hmm. work. I was very inspired by his work. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, like, uh, where because you came to the show yeah, as a doctor yep. in Exactly. Um, yep. And so, like, the way that you lit it reminded me very, 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 bit of, very much of his work, but you had your own style to it, in which <sighs> not each picture had, like, just, like, two lights. Some pictures were, like, just mm-hmm. hit with just this flash of, like, Harsh as yellow, which the skin now looks gold. Mm-hmm. Um, and then some, some of the photos you were like. I can hold you up. When I first saw them, I was like, "Why does she keep editing the eyes to be so damn bright?" <laughs> <laughs> Specifically, the image of Brian, Brian mm-hmm. Oscar. I saw the image and I thought the image was great because I think it's blue, blue, yeah. like, like, a blue, blue like a blue or purple or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, "His eyes are not that bright. Wow." But something about the image was, like, it really still, it, like, hit you. It, that image specifically, which is why I find it so interesting that everyone goes crazy over the image of Grover or likes right. ass. Right. <laughs> right, I love Grover. That's the <laughs> homie. But um, I find it so funny that, like, everybody is like, what photo of Grover? Me and you were sitting there like, nigga. That's because he likes me <laughs> <laughs> well no, is a beautiful person and takes he great is, photos. He he's great. He was actually the first person I ever took photos of. Oh wow. Mm-hmm. Grover, took,
1: everybody taking photos
0: of Grover. Well no, it's because um, <laughs> first person I, t- I did like a full photo series of was Grover in oh, undergrad. Wow. I had a professor who our, her, the assignment was to make was to revamp an urban legend mm. and my urban legend was Dracula goes to college and Grover girlfriend was Dracula Wow! because he was already like <laughs> I can totally see him hell. being Dracula I'll show you the photos They're especially so like his face shape and yo all and like he, this like before he started attending before he bulked up like he's like like he, I think he was like a freshman or sophomore in college and I was like a wow. junior and I was like I'm, I'm, I'm about to milk this little nigga he can take these pictures <laughs> and they were great they were so good people wanted to buy those pictures it was so weird I had never wow. did anything like that before um, but, but yeah, awesome. I remember seeing that series, but then you also have this, I, I don't know if it's a series, like I've only seen, like, two of the photos, and they're of you, and, like, your housecoat on the bed. hmm mm-hmm. It reminds me of, um, Carrie Mae which is, now that, now, I think now that, like, now that I know that you write, mm-hmm. I want to challenge you to put, like, write shit with your photos Yeah. in similar vein of Carrie or in similar mm-hmm. vein of Lorna Simpson granted we don't want to be like repetitive with the content we're making but I like the way in which you use your words and the way in which you, you photograph I think they'll go so beautiful together because like I don't know yeah, I'm just I'm just gassing you right now. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, shimmering in my boots. you ain't got no shoes on. Shut up. Um, but yeah, no. Hypothetical, hypothetical. Right. Um, so, what's next? Uh,
1: what's next? Um, a lot of things. I think mostly, for me, I just want to focus on. Um, you know, the reason I started video work and the reason I started doing, like, documentation photography mm-hmm. was, like, being able to better narrate my own community. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think, for me, it's going to be more co-creative work um, as far as, like, coming up with, like, projects and concepts and ideas that are not only my own, but are also telling the true stories of the community. Gotcha. Um, but in an experimental way, because I am an artist, so right. it's not going to be literal all the time. Um, but yeah, I just want to keep doing documentation work, um, and I have to prefer I have to preference that with like not traditional documentary, but like documenting as far as like taking as many photos, as many videos, as many documentations, archiving of Black and Brown folk as possible. Gotcha. I think
0: it's really important work. I love it. I love yeah. it. Yeah. All right, we're gonna take a quick little break, and we'll be right back. Okay. back. You are listening to Contemporaries, the podcast. Um, we are here with Francesca Lamar. Um, so now, it's our favorite, my favorite portion of the podcast. I stand. Yes. So, right now, um, you can pretty much give us... Um, I'll, I'll go first and give you as an example, but it's pretty much um, naming three things that you stand for currently, right? So, For me, um, thing number one I'm standing for is um, the black women and films in Detroit who put on music festivals. (laughs) Um, So Francesca Lamar and Numi who put on Afrofutures Futures Fest, and it's at Leah, who put on Kindred. Um, These are three 20-something-year-old black films, black women. Um, Like, Leah's, like, apparently 24 and put the whole festival together by herself, and I'm like, What? Um, so, like, I'm out here, I put it all for y'all, I, I'm rooting, I'm rooting for y'all because, um, you are putting, um, Detroit culture in a space where it's very visible and where it can be seen, which I think is great. So that's the first thing. Um, the second thing is, I don't fucking know. I ain't thinking about this. <laughs> um, mm, You wanna bounce around? No, right. I can, I'm really, yeah, go ahead. You can say your first one if you like.
1: Yeah, so I really stand for Tierra Wack right now. She's just fucking amazing, yes. like killing it. Would we'll love to have her come to Detroit do some
0: shit. Like love, 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 love. Tierra um, and we're able to get her for After Future Fest next year. I mean, I would lose listen, my shit. I
1: would lose my shit too. Honestly, she's fucking just annihilating the mic every time.
0: Yeah, it's great. It's great.
1: And like so versatile, like. So many different sounds. I think it's So great. many different textures. She
0: is like... I think I said this to myself last night. I was like listening to some of her stuff. And I was like... It's so funny because like her music is so different. Blew it. But like... <laughs> but like when she freestyles, she's demolishing whatever yeah. is in front of her. Yeah. And I was like, this, this girl is literally Killing a it. child of Missy Elliott.
1: Absolutely. This is
0: literally... She's a Absolutely. child of Missy and Busta Rhymes. As far yep. as the style, the flow, the quirkiness, the weird... I'm also just enjoying the fact that like, she she's a quirky She also has black and Three girl.
1: Stacks in there, too. Oh, like, hell like, yeah. She's just fucking bomb.
0: Like yeah. Period. Period, boo. Ugh, period, boo. <laughs> 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 I love saying that shit. Me oh, too. Lord. Okay. Um, <laughs> number two for My Eyes Stan is still don't know. <laughs> oh, Super Cool Wicked. Yeah, um, Is a local Detroit musician, singer, songwriter, performer. I've had the pleasure of seeing her perform twice in the past month. Mm. We had never... I've never That's seen her... amazing. I had never seen her perform... I had never seen her perform what? prior to this summer. Are you serious? I mean, I've been, you, That's know, you were in busy, in Chicago, you yeah, know. Yeah. Um. Wow, yeah, she's but amazing. But seeing that girl perform... In two, in two very different spaces, right? So, the first time I saw her was at Deluxe Flux. Mm. And it was during um, Detroit Arts Week. Oh, you saw that performance. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know she killed it. And I was just like, yo! I was like, I knew she had good music, but I did not know she, like, No, rocked. she could perform. It's like, and for her to be a local artist in Detroit who has not yet put out music... It can Mm -hmm. rock a crowd like that. And, like, we being that bitch knowing all the words. I'm like, I was like, how do y'all know these words? Like, I've never heard the music. Yeah. And I've cracked jokes. I'm like, where are are we get the project? she was like, (laughs) I have to figure out how to do a rollout. So, she's definitely um, my ice stand number two. What about you?
1: Yeah. um, (laughs) My second ice stand is going to be Black Detroit, period. Like... I just stand for Black Detroit, and that basically is Detroit, in my opinion. It's synonymous, because Detroit is black as fuck. Well, um,
0: we are 82% black, so we're the blackest city, according to the 2010 census.
1: Right, 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 right. Um, yeah, just blackness in all the intersections that we have it, in the spaces that we, we just occupy space. Yeah. And I just really am behind black people occupying space, and we have the privileges, black people, to do it in Detroit just effortlessly yeah. um and so black detroit is my second stand for sure for lay, sure
0: lay, lay. my third stand is actually is also me giving flowers to a now ancestor um tony morrison um yes. so i think it's interesting so um i'm still
1: shocked my girl like
0: do the, the fact that like i so i just started reading so loud, like a month or two ago wow and like and then, like, I saw that they had a documentary coming out about her mm-hmm. life, and I'm like, where is it? It's gonna where be in Cinema it? Detroit in a week, in a week or two. Oh, they, I'm there. They're only, they, they only gonna have it up for a week. And I was like, y'all are killing me with these, That's like, one week viewings. Because they are they only good had, with the things they bring. But, but they only had um, The Last Black Mirror in San Francisco up for, like, a yeah. week as well. I got well.
1: it
0: right to the private screen, and it did not go. Oh, I'm, I'm, and heated. I'm, sick about it. I'm heated. I'm heated because I want to, I still need to go see that movie. But yeah, Tony Morrison. Um, I remember, my last year of um, of undergrad, I started following like different artists on Instagram, and this um, this photographer who's currently in the two thousand nineteen Whitney Biennial named John Edmonds, was posting pictures of books he had been reading through grad school. Mm. He had posted like um, James Baldwin, Giovanni Room. He had posted Tennessee Codes between the world and the, well, between the world and me. between the world and me. I always say I, because that's. What what does she say? Um, <laughs> and then um, he had post um, he had posted like books he read prior, and one of them was um, Tar Baby by mm. Toni Morrison, and like I always n- knew who she was, but I never read her. Mm. Like, unfortunately in Detroit Detroit public schools they did not teach us black literature the way they the way that they should. So like, in Detroit public schools at least when I was still in high school. Your 10th grade year was your African American lit class, but you got one textbook, and you read everything from that textbook. Mm. I unfortunately had a teacher from hell. Not And I don't mean that in the back. I don't mean that... I won't say from hell. I have the class from hell. Mm. So you got this old lady who's like good into her 60s or 70s, like almost a bit delusional, um, who's teaching a class full of rambunctious ass high school students who don't want to sit work. down? So like work. kids are in the back, in the back rolling up blunts. Girls are laying each other's edges. It was pretty much like a fucking scene from Lean on Me. It was I was like the one that. Kind of like Afro Future <laughs> Fest
1: to
0: be. Right Girl, right? <laughs> Dead ass. <laughs> um, and a few people from my high school were at the festival, so yes. Oh my god. Um, but that's just how the festival. That, that's just how my classes felt. And I remember um, I really wish that we had gotten a chance to read more black literature. Mm. Like, I had never read Invisible Man. I had never read mm. Nose, Nose to a Native Son. I had never read any of Toni Morrison, Octavia Butler, any of that. And I saw it in my senior year of undergrad. I I went on a mission to collect as many books by black artists as, authors as possible. And the first book I Found because like you know you can like read like the first half chapter on Google for some mm-hmm. books so like I was working at the gym on my campus and I was um, reading Invisible Man I read the first the first chapter which is about the whole mandingo fight mm-hmm. and I got so pissed I was like I was at work like fuck the white man like, that's how angry I was after I like read because like, it was just like yeah. this this, this, yeah. this young black poor kid wants to go to college and was told to come to this hall to give a speech and instead of him giving the speech, he's thrown into a mendingo fight for a, scholar, for, for a college scholarship. And, like, while well, he's fighting for that, the other one's, like, fighting for food for their children. And I was just, like, it hurted when, mm-hmm. like, reading. I think that's the first time I ever read anything, but I was, like, and I, like, cried. And it's also, like, again, I've just graduated from college, in which I've spent, what, the last, at the time, 23 years of my life. Um, 20, 20, 22 years of my life reading books that were assigned to me. i finally able to read a book that I wanted to read. So I read that section of that book and I, and I got to the end but then um, Google suggested Blue's Eye by Toni Morrison mm. and I started reading that and I fell in love with it. Oh, uh, I got in trouble. I got suspended from my job for, for like, a pay period because I got caught reading a book at work. Girl. What? I was working at the gym on Wayne State University's campus, and they have this wow. very strict... That's like, the first it, time I ever saw you. Right. And they have this really strict <laughs> thing about, like... Wow. paying attention at work. And I'm like, bro, it's like, we're closing. A we, book, we, we're closing an hour. Yeah. I'm working School. at the rock wall. Yeah. It, was like, it was summertime. Like, it was technically summertime. Yeah, while, But I was like, bro, like I'm working at the rock wall, ain't nobody fucking climbing. Ain't nobody climbed the rock wall in the last four hours. Like, I can read a book. you tripping. Everything, All has already been counted. And they suspended me, and I was kind of happy they suspended me, because the next day, I went to the library <laughs> and got the book and, like, read it. And I was just like, and this the state of awe of in the space of like, it just wow. Like, the fact that I missed out on literature that could have really shaped me as a young child or mm-hmm. a teenager when, when I was the most impressionable. Like, for me to find this at the age of, in my like, early 20s, I I've, I felt cheated. It's felt, honestly
1: criminal. Like, why do people get away with so much crime? It's just not
0: labeled that. I just like felt, I felt, I felt cheated. Mm-hmm. Like, by society, by my fucking school district, that I've never, I was never, I was never even introduced to this. And then I talked to my sister, and she's like, "You, you, you have introduced to Tony mm. Morris," and I was like, "How?" Beloved. Yeah, I the was movie. gonna say
1: Beloved,
0: yeah. And like for my like back home, like when I'm home, like my mom and my sister, and I'm being, I want to irritate the child. And I love, I forget her name, the um, the possessed one, the possessed child of Beloved, the movie. Um, I want you to touch me. Touch me on the inside, parts. Make me feel good all over. I want you to say my name. Like, my she's like mm-hmm. rubbing her body. And I say, because I, I remember growing up and watching that and being terrified of that movie. No, but same. I found so much joy in, in the sex scene, in that specific sex scene. Like, I don't know why. Maybe that's why I like sex so much now. But I found so <laughs> much. I feel like, like I have humor. a similar,
1: like, connection to the movie.
0: Yeah, it was like so much mm-hmm. humor and joy and, like, things about sex or like the parts of like when all she wants to do is just eat candy Mm -hmm. and then I get to the point where I've been questioning recently like um we as black people find liberation when when we lose our shit Mm -hmm. like like when we no longer are considerate of what's around us we forget every like when we literally lose our minds is when we're the most liberated and when I go back and think about the movie Beloved is when I literally think just that like this child is a child in an adult's body. She mm-hmm. she her mind is gone. She's literally just free. Free as fuck. Mm-hmm. Um oh my god, that movie the movie has so many horrific things. Mm-hmm. And but now I'm growing older and I'm I'm learning that like the movie is actually not the best depiction of the book. So mm-hmm. now I'm like fuck and I really now y'all need y'all really to go read, read the, the book. book.
1: Yeah, no same. I literally <laughs> That was the book on my like top list of like which book I want to read first. Like go back and like get more books from her.
0: Um, Was definitely beloved. Which books do you have so far?
1: Um, I don't have any Toni Morrison books. I was actually introduced to Toni Morrison through my mom. She uh, she taught speech and theater in high school uh, to high school students when I was growing up, and so um, I was introduced to a lot of black literature through her, through like her. Doing plays with the kids, like she had yeah. a lot of Lorraine Hansberry oh, plays. A lot of, I have um, one of her
0: plays in my room.
1: Yeah, yeah So like that's that's how I was introduced. I don't have any of her books, but mm-hmm. I, I'm in the process of reading a lot of literature right now. Gotcha. And so like when well, I was like, okay, what Tony Morrison book do I want to pick up?
0: I don't. I like, I, I have Blue as I Sula and mm-hmm. Jazz. Mm-hmm. Those are the three, um, and I I I clearly don't read Blue Eye, and I'm about to start focusing on Sula. Um, but I do want to read a of it as well. Maybe you should make that a book for your book club. I'm thinking
1: about it. I'm thinking about it. My, um... Yeah, the book club got kind of, like, sideswiped by Afro Futures Fest. We still meet every week, but, like, I haven't been able to put so much intention into, like, our meetings um, and curate them as much as I would like to. Gotcha. Um, But it's still happening.
0: So what's your third stand? So my third stand
1: is a two-part. Like, Like the the conversation about liberation inspired me just to, like, shout out Rico Nasty. Like, just the, (laughs) the, the like, artistic music expression behind that liberation and, like, the way that she shows up on the mic is really, really powerful in that sense of just, like, Losing your mind um, yeah. and That's really I, re- I really love her um, But my, my other stand That I wanted to like Originally say Was Yara Shahidi Like Okay When I think about Afro features,
0: Like that is the child That enters, I think well, about Like really Oh on the show Yes She's acting. Oh my god. She's I acting. really I really want them to do She's a great Hux- actor. I want them to Denise Huxtable to put her. No, and put her I ass really ass I really
1: I really don't enjoy the show, but I think it's that's we're not supposed to enjoy it. Like it's supposed to show the in- immaturity, the annoyingness of like growing pains.
0: She does it too well.
1: She does it too well, but she her as a like, person is fucking phenomenal. Okay, like is phenomenal. Okay. Like and everything that like Not even just about the articulation of like how she speaks, but the actual context that she brings to the conversation, the things that she talks about. So powerful, like so powerful. And I just have to give props to her her for that. Like she is so aware and I just love self-aware folks. (laughs) Got you. Yeah. Okay,
0: (laughs) cool. So where can people find you on social media?
1: social media so on twitter you can catch me at catch this love and it's a capital c capital t and then l-o-v-e is all capital that's catch this love um and then on instagram it's just my name francesca lamar and that's f-r-a-n-c-h people always forget the h -H c-h-e-s-c-a lamar l-a-m-a double r-e so l-a-m-a-r-r-e
0: do you have anything coming up like any, any exhibitions, any readings, any performances, anything.
1: Um, do I have anything coming up? I'm curating a show in September at Northwest Gallery. Ah, I
0: have that coming up. Yes, yeah.
1: it's called The Burn. So
0: that's coming up. Okay, cute. Yeah, cute, cute, cute. All right, friend. Thank you so much for <laughs> you know sitting here and keying with me and whatnot. Um. To everyone who's listening, thank you for, you know, sitting through this amazing episode with Francesca. Um, The next episode, we will be back in Chicago. I won't be back, but she'll be back with Kayo and another amazing person. Um, And with that being said, peace!